much do you spend from your paycheck in about 100 days? The Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski. Every day, Chris helps unpack the connection between politics and the economy and how it affects your wallet. The federal government is on pace to spend over $1 trillion per every 100 days. Are Speaker Johnson and congressional Republicans doing anything about it? Enough is enough. Whether it's happening in D.C. or down on Wall Street, it's affecting you financially. Be informed. Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you're a politics and popcorn person, maybe you're going to dig this. Um, I'm not because the issues are so serious and politics is such, such a, well, has become a disgusting uh, and slimy affair. And it's just going to get worse as we get further towards the end times. And that said, this is going to be fascinating. This is going to be really fascinating. President Trump was in an interview with Candace Owen recently and continued to press upon the mRNA injections as life-saving, having saved millions and millions of lives. And Candace politely pushed back. And President Trump wasn't that happy about that. And you remember this moment from this rally. Yes, are some friends of mine, they wanted to say, I said, don't come tonight, let's go another time, it's pouring. Woody Johnson, a great gentleman, you ever hear of Johnson & Johnson? He owns the place, I tell you what. This guy's got cash like nobody's got cash. Johnson & Johnson, his incredible wife, Suzanne Johnson, whose family is very, very close, and she comes from Ukraine, so she's... Uh, she has a little bit of a hard time with it, but she's an incredible woman. Another incredible woman is Summers Farkas, a person respected by everybody in New York. Okay, so you remember that. Uh, there was no applause. None for the Johnson & Johnson couple. Now this from the state of Florida. Today, uh, I'm announcing a, a petition with the Supreme Court of Florida to impanel a statewide grand jury to investigate any and all wrongdoing in Florida with respect to COVID-19 vaccines. And we anticipate that we will get the approval for that. Uh, that will be something. So he intends to go after everybody. He has named in this the pharmaceutical companies. So with the help of Soda Weight Loss, SodaWeightLoss.com, let's look at this wedge issue, but let's dig deeper. Because I think there is another very defining thing that unites these gentlemen. I don't think they know that. But it is one of the reasons why I stand encouraged as I begin to look at a presidential election. If the Republicans in Congress will do one thing. Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made. And these are the times to which God has decided we shall live. What's that whole thing about fascinating times? That's one way to say it. Interesting times, another. John Lennon said, strange days indeed, mama. No, strange days indeed, most peculiar, mama. 
great song by a communist drug addict. He was kind of getting his life together towards the end. He may one day have found the Lord. Who knows? Deathbed confessions are a real thing. So are conversions. I guess we could hope. The wedge issue between Ron DeSantis and President Trump, it's on the table. DeSantis intends to go after the people who pushed the injections. On a basis of reality, DeSantis is right. Uh, The injections are harmful, deadly, and useless, and they are going to create long-term harm. Anybody who chooses to ignore this data is is doing just that. They're ignoring it. What's so fascinating is that the Fouch, (laughs) America's leading psychopath, used the same language as President Trump in describing the mRNA shots. He legitimately used, uh, almost to a T, President Trump's formulation when he talked about these injections as his uh, crowning achievement. Uh, In a way we've never seen before, uh, decisions about public health measures such as wearing masks and being vaccinated with highly effective and safe vaccines have been influenced by disinformation and political ideology. That's part of it. Here's the Trumpian construction. Uh, The major successes of the COVID-19 pandemic have been driven by scientific advances, uh, particularly life-saving vaccines uh, that were developed, uh, proven safe and effective in in clinical trials and made available to the public within one year an unprecedented feat. There were no clinical trials. Those were frauds. You cannot have a a clinical trial without a control group. You can't do it. There were no tests on pregnant women. Fauci just recently admi- or told us, we don't have time to test this uh, for safety uh, in kids. Plus, they're just kids. Uh, they could still be aborted. The wedge issue. It puts President Trump on the side of the Fauci. <clears throat> and in my judgment, one of the Fauci's last ach- uh, of uh, assignments was to tank the Trump Trump presidency, so as to kill populism, so as to protect the party. Mitch and Kevin and Nancy, all dear, dear friends. So it's somewhat of an ironic thing for President Trump on that issue to be aligned with the Fouch. It's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. I want to believe that Ron DeSantis is doing this for more than political reasons, but then again... Let us not forget that Ron DeSantis played the lockdown game real hard. Florida talked about banning travel from other states. There was talk of highway patrols to check and see if you were from out of state. What's your business in the state of Florida? Now, truly, DeSantis saw sunlight a lot earlier than others. And a good portion of that is due to the fact that he hired a friend of the show, Kyle Lamb, who's a data analyst. Data analysts will go down in history as some of the most important people um, to unwire the COVID swindle. And they were able to do that because they looked strictly at the data. They had no money in this. They weren't getting paid by people. They weren't getting cons. Uh, They weren't emotional. It wasn't tribalism. They simply analyzed the data. Or people like us, 
who simply looked at the pattern and said, oh, this, is, this stinks. This is politics. This has nothing to do with healthcare. And then we dug into it. But there is something, I think, that unites these guys. President Trump and, and Ron DeSantis. I mean, there's probably a lot. They have been friends. And President Trump has recently gone on the attack against Ron DeSantis. And I've heard people say, oh, I feel like DeSantis has attacked him. I don't see that. But there's been people who said that, oh, DeSantis was fine with the Mar-a-Lago raid and fine with uh, what happened uh, to the the Jan 6 people. I haven't seen that. But I can't see everything. The full statement from DeSantis uh, is impressive because he makes a point. And it's a point that just drives home the fallacy, the lies of the party as relates to the COVID injections. He talks about being awarded monies from Big Pharma not that long ago. Notice, the same so-called governors like the dictator of Washington State, Jay Inslee, the dictator of California, Gavin Newsom, Those dictators were plenty happy to slurp up the same monies that DeSantis is going to talk about here. You know, it is against the law to mislead and to misrepresent, particularly when you're talking about the efficacy of a drug. Uh, We see just the other, uh, just recently, Florida got $3.2 billion through legal action against those responsible for the opioid crisis. And so it's not like this is something that's unprecedented. So today... Uh, I'm announcing uh, a petition with the Supreme Court of Florida to impanel a statewide grand jury to investigate any and all wrongdoing in Florida with respect to COVID-19 vaccines. And we anticipate that we will get the approval for that. Uh, That will be something that will be impaneled, most likely in the Tampa Bay area. uh, And that will come with legal processes that will be able uh, to get more information and to bring legal accountability for those who committed mis- the, and, and it was the fentanyl that, uh, and by the way, which is coming in from China, that people paid a cost for that. They knew. They knew it was wildly addictive. They knew they were lying when they created pain as the fifth vital sign. And who did they work with to get that done? Government. It was people at the CDC and the FDA who signed off on pain as a fifth vital sign. It's not a fifth vital sign. It's plastic nonsense. It was gibberish on its face. The amount of pain you're in is not an indicator of life. You can be in plenty of pain and continue to live for a long time. But that's the way they sold it. It's the same pattern, the same thing they did with the COVID flu. So this wedge issue, it's going to be fascinating to watch, particularly in debates. There's this that unites them, though. They have something that Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy and so many don't have on the Republican side. And it's so refreshing to finally see other people begin to talk about this again. Josh Hammer has a piece in Chronicles, a magazine of American culture. Ain't I fancy? It's called, Why Does the GOP Hate Its Base? 
And it opens with the fact that this has been a long-time thing. He discusses the 2009 through 2011 rise of the Tea Party. And I've told you about this and how panicked the, the establishment was about the Tea Party. When the Tea Party came to town, I've told you too many times, so I won't stress it too much. My wife was in, not involved, but she was an observer to that. She was a participant not in organizing it, but in going to the events and going to the protests and going to congressional offices. I'll never forget the time that she called me from the Capitol Mall. She was in a protest. And there was a gentleman there who'd driven all the way up from the South. I think it was um, either Florida or uh, Louisiana to Washington, D.C. He was in his 80s or so. He was in a walker. He drove straight through because he couldn't afford a hotel room. And my wife had met him. He was solid. She interviewed him about why don't you like Obamacare? And he went through all of it. He was crisp. He totally understood it to the degree that a lot of people did not. Certainly not the, the shiny shoes. May, they may have understood it, but they didn't care. And she called me crying because he didn't have a place to stay. He didn't have a hotel room. And she said, can we do anything for this gentleman? I said, by all means, get him a hotel room. I mean, how long is he there? Go, go, go get him a hotel. Can the RNC do anything for him? I said, I, I don't know. Who cares? Let's get him a place now. And then she said, you know what? There's so many people who've already gathered around. People are putting him up and there's going to have a guest house. And he got taken care of. And I go back to the RNC and I talk about this. And they were, they hated the Tea Party. Those people are crazy. That was a comment that a guy who's a super nice guy, senior staffer at the RNC made. They're crazy people. Todd, they want to audit the Federal Reserve? That's our financial system. And I said to the gentleman, Kevin, we audit companies. We, we audit our bank accounts. The IRS audits us. Why would we not audit the Fed? Well, we can't do that. They could delegitimize our banking system. They're crazy people. When the woman, one of the women, there were two women who really started that thing. When Amy wanted to come by the RNC, I said, oh, by all means, oh my goodness, please come in, please come in. And I sent out an email staff-wide to all senior staff. One of the women who put together this thing is one of the leaders of this. She's here. She wants to meet with us. She's in my office. Please come down. There's so much we can learn from her. Look at what she's done. Look how she's built this. No one wanted to come. No one. Why? Because she was a crazy lady. Amy Kramer. Then the chief of staff emailed me and he said, I'm on the way back. I left a lunch. Please, please have her stay. I need to meet this lady. I can't wait to meet her. I, I just, I'm, I'm rushing there as fast as I can. I told Amy that. And Ken, in fact, came down to my office and he put out both hands and he said, it is such an honor to meet you. My goodness, thank you for what you're doing. How can we be helpful? One person. So yes, the GOP hates its base. And they're talking about the fact that the, he mentions the sellouts of the 12 Republican senators and 39 so-called Republican congressmen who've added their, uh, their signatures to the Destruction of Marriage Act that will allow the IRS, it opens the door wide for the IRS to go out and attack churches and other groups and ultimately individuals and to force people to pretend to support non-biblical views of marriage. This has nothing to do with love. All of us, all of us love our same-sex attracted families. And if you do not, please examine your heart because you're sinning. All of us who love our same-sex attracted family members and friends, 
We can be plenty, plenty worried about what's going to happen to them in eternity by virtue of that decision, which separates them from God, while we recognize our own struggle with lusts and, and temptation in life. We can recognize these things, and in fact, we'd be far better off if we stopped dividing the issue. But yes, they're doing this, and then he mentions immigration, Republican elites have historically sold out their own base, perhaps more than any other, on the topic of immigration. Republican leaders are using the perdifious backdrop of the lame duck Congress to get the amnesty ban back together again. Specifically, Senators Tom, Senator Tom Tillis is now teaming up with Senator Kirsten Sinema, now an independent from Arizona, to push a prototypical comprehensive immigration reform style compromise. Amnesty for millions of young illegal aliens, tenaciously called dreamers by a propagandist press, in exchange for promised milquetoast, quote, enforcement measures. The obvious problem with such a deal is that absent the most strenuous of border enforcement measures, all in the, such as sprawling Texas to California physical border wall and a return of the highly successful Trump era remain in Mexico policy, amnesty for illegal aliens will only exacerbate the border crisis. He's exactly right. And then he mentions the $37 billion, quote, emergency aid for Ukraine. And it's far, far above that now. It's in the hundreds of billions of dollars. And, of course, the base does not want this. Why do Republican policymakers in shiny shoes hate their base? One of the reasons is because a lot of the base, and I understand it's not everybody, and I know that there are people who say, gosh, please let this go. Please stop talking about stolen elections. You're, it's, it's whining. You're blaming the referees. I've heard it all. You're whining. It's a loser's game. You're blaming the referees. You're turning off the independents. You and I need to be careful that we've not been conditioned to accept fraud. If all, if the entire environment is built to in, in, encourage fraud, if the entire environment is created in such a way that fraud is untrackable, if you're dealing with people whose Wealth has been created through insider trading and is still created through insider trading. If you're dealing with people who will hide payouts to, to, to the liberal media in a national defense bill, if you're dealing with people who pretend that forcing you to pay for wrong sex hormones and surgery in kids is not conversion therapy. If you're dealing with liars whose native tongue is lying and native activity is cheating and the entire environment is set up for fraud, you're going to get fraud. But we checked it. We tracked it. How? Tell me how. In states where there is no signature required, where there's <laughs> totally subjective signature matching, where no ID is required to get a ballot, where ballots are sent out to anybody on the registration list, where people are automatically registered when they get a driver's license, which often goes to illegal immigrants, when states or separate countries like Washington send ballots 
to Chinese and Russian and Mexican exchange students who know it's a felony to vote, but they get a ballot anyway. With all of that stuff in place, and in fact, in some states, you can turn the ballot in without a postmark. You tell me how. Tell me how you track for fraud. Tell me how. Tell me how you check it. Tell me how you police a system like that. Someone explain it to me. This relates to how and why the Republican shiny shoes hate their base. This is Kerry Lake's attorney, Kurt Olson. As, it's, as I'm recording this program, I see that the judge in the case between the Secretary of State in Arizona and Kerry Lake. Oh, the Secretary of State's also the so-called governor-elect. Let's just not forget that. And Kerry Lake wanted them to appear for an emergency hearing. This is Kurt Olson, an attorney for Kerry Lake. And then you layer on top of it, there's what's called chain of custody procedures. And so these are forms where people, where the government and Maricopa County officials are supposed to track these ballots every step of the way when they are inserted into a ballot box to the point that it's take, collected and taken to uh, either Runback or MTech. You want to make sure that you know where those ballots are coming from. It's a standard security measure. And if you don't have those security measures in place, then you don't know where the ballots are coming from. So is a truck coming up in the middle of the night and dumping 10,000 ballots somewhere? What we found is that, go ahead. No, go ahead, you finish. I was gonna say, what we found is, there were over 300,000 ballots that don't have proper chain of security. And so what that means is there's no way to tell where those ballots came from. And to show you the, the importance of this, Arizona, makes it a misdemeanor every time one of those chain of custody yep. forms is not filled out. That's uh, Kurt Olson on Steve Bannon's program, Real America's Voice. 300,000 ballots. Oh, incidentally, fun fact, you know how I tell you about the stolen election in Washington state where the Democrats were allowed to steal the election from a guy named Dino Rossi using mail-in ballots? Um, Dino took that to court. And the so-called Supreme Court in Washington state, which for many years has been nothing more than a star chamber for, for the left, you know what they said? Uh, Chain of custody doesn't matter. Chain of custody doesn't matter. I wish Dino had had the money and the energy to take that to the Supreme Court because we might not be where we're at today. So that's one of the reasons that the shiny shoes hate a lot of us is because we talk about these things. But what's the core of that? What's really the core of why they hate us? Um, it's, uh, it's, it's sometimes, um, sad to look back on times like the RNC. It is because there were really good times there and there were truly good people who were there for the right reason. I think about a lot of the young people on my staff and they bled for this country and they loved it so much. And, and, and some of them still do. A lot of them have been sucked up into the abyss of big money in DC and I love him. I'll always love him. I'll always pray for him. And I think about Zach Abraham at Boer Capital Management and his time in, in the big finance world and what he learned and how he learned it the tough way. I should talk with Zach about this, actually, because I recall when I had resigned from the RNC, it was just before I drove over the Continental Divide, when I was coming back. And it was just before I drove over the Continental Divide. And I stopped outside of this little town and I wrote my resignation note and I was in tears. 
because of what I had discovered about how filthy politics is and the parties. And Zach had sort of a similar thing. You know, that cost my family a lot of money. We decided to not become addicted to D.C., so I wouldn't take any jobs there. I, I met barely anybody, quite on design. I didn't want to get seduced. Zach watched two companies fold because they got prideful, hubris, you know, gods of this world. So when he founded Bulwark Capital Management, he put a flag in the ground. We're about risk management. Job number one for us is managing for risk. Well, if you don't manage for risk, how are you ever going to build wealth? That change, that fundamental change is, I think, what has propelled Bulwark Capital Management in this, you know, this many years, this decade of Zach being a truth teller. Because it's not just the truth telling, it's the truth doing. It's a short time left in this year. And can you answer this question? Is your financial portfolio set up to survive the chaos economy? If not, if you cannot answer that, call 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK and find out. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bower Capital Management is an investment advisor representative. Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. They hate us, the base. They hate the, us, the base. The, the, the shiny shoes do is because we get in the way of the business model. There is no one paying them for election security. That is not a marketable item. We stand in the way of business. The business of politics is business. There's a reason that the Democrats do so well with wealthy people and wealthy donors because they have a better stock of things to sell. Oh, You want to buy access to the bodies of children? Sure. Yeah, we'll make that happen. We'll pass diktats in states, separate countries like California. You're a pharma company? How many kids do you need? You want to make $100 billion chopping kids up and shooting them up? How many do you need to do that? We'll create diktats. We'll sell those diktats to you. Oh, Chamber of Commerce, CEO Roundtable, Americans earn too much money? I got an idea. Let's distort the labor market. Let's create an invasion of the country. Let's bring in half a million people in 2022 alone. Let's bring them in with the expectation that they're going to get a bunch of government aid. Let's give that to them. Then let's bring them to work for you. How much am I bid for that? Oh, you want people to be forced to purchase your health insurance at prices they can't afford from companies they don't like for services they don't need? Write the bill. We'll pass it. See, the Republicans don't have much to sell. They want to change the model. They want to flip the model. They want to be like the Democrats. They want a whole storage item of things to sell. And what are they really selling? What are they really selling? Well, their souls. Because none of the things that I just mentioned are being bought for godly reasons. 
what are they really selling? Our souls. To some degree, we're being forced to pay for these things. Now, there's a complexity to this. We are supposed to pay our taxes. For legally enforced taxes that are constitutional, Romans 13 indicates, and so does the modeling of the Lord Jesus, that we are to pay those taxes if the authorities are not telling us to break God's law. And that's a complexity. Because abortion violates God's law. Same-sex marriage violates God's law. Theft violates God's law. Insider trading is theft. There's a lot of discussion sometime to be had about at what point do God's people say, yeah, actually, no. As a group, we're not going to pay for abortion because it is blatantly against God's law and therefore something we can't do. Republicans, shiny shoes, hate us because there's no business model, because we get in the way of it, because it's embarrassing. Oh, I'd like to be able to support you guys publicly because I like your stance on regulation because you're willing to sell me less regulation. That's one dividing area between the Democrats and the Republicans. Republicans are less likely to want to force down a bunch of regulation on a business. They'll regulate us. They have no problem regulating us. They'll regulate us 50 times a day. They will cut regulation for businesses. And you'll get this from donors. I do not want you involved in the social issues. I can't be around you. I can't have my name associated with you. I can't have trackable money in your hands when there are going to be these social issues because your base, your base embarrasses me with this stuff. And incidentally, a lot of these donors agree with us on the so-called social issues. And just to repeat this, there's no such thing as a social issue. Good luck having a country that's conservative and bound to the Constitution when the very fabric of family, parents and kids, has been decimated and when the churches, so many of them, have been blown to smithereens. Good luck having a functional country. There is no such thing as a social issue. These are the reasons why the shiny shoes hate the base. And... As we're nearing now the twilight of Tony Fauci's career, no better way to indicate the party, to explain the party, than to get into what has been set in motion by the party. See, Fauci recently wrote a swan swan song bye-bye in the New York Times. I will read you parts of this. It was behind their paywall, but I got a glimpse of it, actually. I don't, I don't pay for the Times. Never would. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a subscriber, I think. So I got to take a look at this, and then I went back to look at it. It was locked. So whatever it was, I got it. I'll share this with you and where this is going by courtesy of the party. Another reason that the Republicans hate the base is because we're becoming aware that there's a party. Oh, and then there's this. <laughs> it just lines up so easily. This, is, this, is, this shouldn't be this easy. They hate people like Mike Lindell. <laughs> Want to know why they hate Lindell? Because Mike has the money to give to them. Because he has enough money to be a big donor. Because, therefore, he can cause a lot of shockwaves in politics. Therefore, he can focus the mind on things like, hey, how do you actually intend to prove there was no fraud in an election 
when there are no signatures required and everything we just talked about about 15 minutes ago? How do you intend to prove that? Incidentally, none of you are interested in looking into this. None of you, not a single one of you is interested in looking into this. What are we to think of this? What we're to think of is that they don't care. So they hate Lindell. Uh, but doesn't matter. Mike keeps rolling. Uh, with what is it now? Gosh, is it 10 days left in Christmas? If you can get over to MyPillow.com slash Herman and use the promo code Herman, you can give some of your friends and family the finest towels I've ever seen in my life. And yes, they're from MyPillow. Let's check off some of the features. Back in the day, we used to talk about feature benefits. Sell the, you sell the steak by talking about the sizzle. Every six-piece towel set comes made in the USA, Minnesota, not Michigan, with United States cotton. They're crazy absorbent. There should be a different word. Absorbent doesn't say it. They suck the moisture from your skin like a machine, like a super vac. Not quite, because that would be painful. But they're also quite large. There's a six-piece, so two very large bath towels, two hand towels, and a two-pack of washcloths. Go to MyPillow.com slash Herman. If you do this before December 25th, you get the 60-day money-back guarantee extended all the way through March 20, March 1st, 2023. These are luxurious towels. You can wrap yourself in it or your family can. $89.98 regularly. Only $39.98 now. That is more than 50% off. MyPillow.com slash Herman. Use promo code Herman. That's MyPillow.com slash Herman. Promo code Herman. Get the six-piece MyPillow towel set for more than 50% off. MyPillow.com slash Herman promo code. This is from a listener um, who made this comment on Substack. Uh, His name is Don. Your podcast reminded me of what a highly respected pastor once said in a sermon, quoting here the pastor. When truth is lost, falsehood no longer exists. Robert Johnson, CBS, or probably CBC Roseville. How true this is, especially with this administration. Great point. When all is allowed, nothing is forbidden. When everything is racism, there's no racism. This is the era in which we live. This, this is the legacy of the party. This is Mitch McConnell. This is Kevin McCarthy. This is their dear, dear friend, Nancy Pelosi. This is their dear, dear friends who Mitch McConnell admires, Tony Fauci, and who President Trump, in a very awkward way, finds himself in agreement with on the injections. Not unforcing lockdowns, not unforcing people to get injected. Donald Trump never, ever was in favor of forcing people to get injected, and God bless him for that. God bless him for that. This is from Melbourne, Australia. And they're taking some life-saving measures outside of people's homes. Now, mind you, none of this could be connected to the injections. North has become the first in Australia to roll out a life-saving street tool. Defibrillators have been installed outside homes, increasing survival rates of cardiac arrests. A life-saving machine is now within walking distance for every resident in Reservoir. Every home is now within 400 metres of of a defibrillator and over 3,000 people have been trained in CPR. 
27 defibrillators have been rolled out at homes around the suburb, transforming the fifth deadliest area for cardiac arrests into the safest. The safest. No, it's transforming them into a place with a bunch of defibrillators. It's not the safest. And incidentally, why the bump in all sorts of people having heart attacks who aren't in any of the risk strata? Why is that happening? Why indeed? Ron DeSantis does not hate the base. Donald Trump does not hate the base. In fact, in many ways, those gentlemen are the base. In many ways. Oh, there's this. As we talk about the legacy of the party and why we need a DeSantis or a Trump or a populist, someone to win election, but that will require the Republicans to focus on election integrity, in my judgment. If other states do not follow in the footsteps of Texas and Florida, we lose, in my judgment. Not the importance, the most important battle, that for heaven. But in terms of elections, when the environment is fraudulent, when it's created for fraud, when fraud is untrackable and the people running elections are paid by people who cheat at everything, why would there not be fraud? This is a, about a tabletop exercise, it's called. There was one of these, what was it called back in the day? It was just prior to Tony Fauci saying, well, there's no doubt that President Trump is going to be uh, faced by a surprise virus, a surprise pandemic. Oh, yeah, Event 201. Oh, this isn't Event 201. No, no, this is called the catastrophic, convi- uh, uh, catastrophic contagion. It happened just this past October. Who put it on again? Johns Hopkins, the World Health Organization, and Bill Gates. It's about the new pandemic that uniquely affects little kids. GNN breaking news. Latin American countries alerted the WHO of several outbreaks of a new infectious disease that's mysteriously appearing across the region. Severe Epidemic Enterovirus Respiratory Syndrome 2025. Over the past six weeks alone, there have been 500 confirmed or suspected cases reported. The virus could cause a severe pandemic if early containment and mitigation efforts are not successful. The pandemic in this type of situation and trend would be a risk for the global health security. Pandemics are inherently political, financial, and so much broader. We have not spoken on the leadership in country. And I think that we need to be also very careful. We cannot decide a lot of things without the leaders be involved and agree on that. There is no substitute for national leadership. It's important to support the local response or the national response. Training those that are in these areas first, enabling them with the tools, protecting them, and if needs be, regional solidarity first. At this stage, communication is key, and communication should include not just scientists with data, but also social, religious, and political leaders. Trust. This is an essential issue, and 
trust was broken among countries. It was. And it was broken forever for those of us who watched what you did and 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 you're doing it again. Event 201 was a spot on 100% spot on replica of a thing to come. Right down to the name of the virus. Right down to the locale from which it came. This is the legacy of the party. This is why elections matter. This is why this wedge issue between President Trump and Governor DeSantis is so fascinating. This is why I beg the people who work for President Trump to get with the chief and get him square on what these injections really are and how he was conned by these psychopaths. This is the legacy of the party. Specifics of the timing of getting a booster. So for some people, it's a third booster. For me, it would be a fourth booster. Um, how long after having COVID? Or, for example, I got a text saying that you shouldn't get uh, a mammogram soon after. You have to space that out. What are the things we need to know about getting that booster? And should everybody get boosted? Well, certainly the, the, the answer to your last question, Mika, is yes, everyone should. And the timing is as follows. If you have been infected with COVID, you wait three months. Minimum. <laughs> this is the legacy of the party. Mitch McConnell was asked, how much trust do you have in Tony Fauci? Total. And now Tony Fauci, and listen, Fauci's a snake and a psychopath, and I pray for him, and we're required to pray for him. He's also very, very, very good at surviving the political game because lying is his native tongue. He is purposely aligning himself with President Trump using the same exact language because he intends to try to destroy Trump's run this time, President Trump's run this time. So his uh, farewell address in the New York Times, I don't know how I got a copy of it before it went behind the locked window, but it did. I think at one time I gave my email address. I told you earlier this week about uh, Tim Cruikshank hearing that we were going to send Brad Miller. Uh, Brad is the lieutenant colonel who lost his command because he refused to get eject- injected. And I just, I dropped him a note. And said, hey, brother, I forgot to send this stuff to Brad. I need to get this done. You recall he came on the show and Tim jumped in and said, oh, I, I'm on it. I'll send this stuff to the brother. Send him coffee and some gear and stuff. I said, hey, listen, I promised to pay for this. And Tim popped back and said, Todd, appreciate you offering the pay, but no, this is on me. Because this guy, Brad's going to go down in the right side of history. He gave up his command. And you think that Tim doesn't understand what that means? See, Tim was a 25-year Navy veteran. It was, yes, and was a Navy SEAL. He, he gets it. You know, Tim went through combat. He gets it. So did Brad. They, 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 they have that brotherhood that I'll never have because I never served. And yet there is this extended brotherhood. And it's those of us who love these guys very much. That's why a lot of us were heartbroken when that other coffee company formed by vets sold us out. Because we thought we were buying into something more than coffee. 
And they sold us out on the Second Amendment, the thing around which they were founded. That was heartbreaking. I've asked him publicly twice, what if a big retailer came and said, hey, we'll put your coffee in, but you got to remove God, country, team. You could have country and team, but you can't have God. And Tim said, that is not negotiable. Stays on the bag. That's who he is. That's all well and good. The 10% to the families of fallen Navy SEALs, well and good. Well and good. What about the coffee? Try it. I've told you about Dave Stewart, the coffee legend who does a lot of the roasts and mentors the team. Told you about him. He's real. Try it. If you've tried it and you liked it, subscribe. Both of that. Do that at bonefrog.us for both of those scenarios. Try it at bonefrog.us. If you liked it and you've not yet subscribed, make this the year you've subscribed. And if you subscribed, imagine how cool a Christmas gift will be for friends of yours who are also in this extended brotherhood of people who love, love, love our troops. It's bonefrog.us. It's a website that our teams built together, mine and Tim's, so we can track business with each other. Maybe subscribe a friend of yours for a year bonefrog.us let's make this a blowout christmas for this friend of the show tim cruikshank founder and ceo bonefrog.us tony fauci wrote his uh many of his long goodbyes there'll be more he writes about the young man wide-eyed going to work to be a doctor as I look back at my career, I see lessons that might be useful to the next generation of scientists and health workers who will be called on to address the unexpected public health challenges that will inevitably emerge. Okay? Like the one you just rehearsed? Because you rehearsed event 201 and the same people around you are rehearsing the catastrophic contagion. Got it? like the one you caused or likely caused, I should say, to be fully accurate with our money, where you funded gain-of-function research, the sole purpose of which is to make viruses more deadly. Like that, Tony? He goes on to talk about getting into his career, 27-year-old, 1968 residency training in New York. I devoted my life to delivering the best possible care to my patients, and this remains integral to my identity. Does it? Does it? Would that be why you conspired to lie about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine? Hydroxychloroquine, you specifically called part prophylactic and part vaccine in relation to respiratory viruses. You said it, Tony. You wrote the words. So patient care. That's why you created financial incentives to shove remdesivir into people's veins, 20% increase in kidney damage. It kills people. But you are also behind hospitals finding doctors for prescribing high-dose vitamin C or intravenous vitamin C, high-dose vitamin D. Tony, is that, that, that's it? See, your goodbye note doesn't mention the time where you turned your first trick. Because, Tony, you get in the van right now and you let the Johns drive. As a kid for many patients uh, with commonplace as well as esoteric infections, it became clear that physicians and other healthcare uh, providers needed more tools to diagnose, prevent, and treat diseases. Indeed. Huh. 
Would that be why you imposed on the country the PCR test, which the, the creator of, Dr. Kerry Mullis, said was not designed to uncover viruses? That was fraud? That that was the only way to determine? Oh, well, there wasn't. There was also the guessing. Do you feel sick and do you know someone who's sick? Boom, you got COVID-19. It's a case. They needed more ways to prevent disease, Tony? Really? Like hydroxychloroquine? Like having ivermectin on hand? Like not being obese? Like upping your zinc and your vitamin D and your vitamin C when a virus is circulating? Like getting outside and getting air rather than staying inside? Like not sending people home when their oxygen was at 90 and telling them to come back when they couldn't breathe? Like that? And to treat diseases, we're right back to where we started. Your hospital protocols for COVID are still killing people. Um, I, uh, I accepted a fellowship at the National Institute of Health and Allergy uh, and Infectious Diseases at NIH to learn the complex ways cells and other components of the immune system protect us against infectious diseases. Immune system, you say. You're back to admitting we have an immune system? Because you tried to erase that. You tried to memory hold that, Tony. With your partners at the so-called World Health Organization. I was able to develop. I was able to launch. I developed. The hallmark was the destruction or impairment of the very immune system. The cells. Oh, he's talking here about, uh, about AIDS, HIV. We get down here to this. COVID-19 is the most devastating pandemic of a respiratory illness uh, to afflict humankind since the 1918 influenza pandemic. Liar. It's on par with other SARS viruses. It's on par with influenza. For people under the age of 60, it's less deadly than influenza. You are a disgusting liar. You are a lie. Your native tongue is lying. Furthermore, the influenza pandemic in 1918 was some 300 times more deadly, and I'm, I'm doing that by memory, but it was monumentally uh, orders of magnitude more deadly. Oh, and by the way, most people we found out died later from bacterial pneumonia. Want to know why? Pneumonia. Want to know why, Tony? Because they were wrapped up in useless face diapers. The guy who was in your position back then wrote an apology letter to the American people for forcing them inside and forcing them to wear face coverings. He apologized. Well, I don't know why, because it didn't work. You're not apologizing. You are tripling down. Other lessons are painful, such as the failure of certain public health responses domestically and globally. We must also, which ones? Name them. He won't. Uh, we also must also acknowledge that a fight against COVID-19 has been hindered uh, by the profound political divisiveness in our society in a way we've never seen before. And decisions about public health measures, such as wearing masks and being vaccinated with highly effective and safe vaccines, have been influenced by disinformation and political ideology. You are the chief psychopath of disinformation. The reason it's faced unprecedented pushback is because you did unprecedented things such as ignoring your own writing. You and your team wrote, do not lock down in the case of a respiratory virus. Whether your team did, you approved the paper. It's your team. You could have had it withdrawn. You yourself know masks don't work. You don't wear them unless you're on camera. You're a liar. Tony Fauci is the party. 
Elections are going to matter. Republicans who want this country to survive will demand election integrity. It's going to have to be done by the governors. Republican governors, if you want to keep, well, let's put it this way. You want to keep your job? You want to stay in the mansion? You want the security detail? You want to be kowtowed to? Then just pretend to be like Ron DeSantis. Just pretend. Or drop to your knees and repent for ever being part of this party. I wrote my resignation notes at the footsteps of the Rocky Mountains. Pardon me, no, the Continental Divide. And I was in tears. And I was a nobody. Still am. I was driving through that town and I kept getting a call from the chief of staff. And I knew what the call was. I didn't take it. (laughs) When I got over the top of the Continental Divide, the truck broke down coming into Idaho. No, actually, I was in Idaho. I was within sight of Coeur d'Alene. Coming down 95, truck broke down. It, did, it kept running, but I could tell it through a camshaft. So I wasn't pulling over because you're not restarting it. Decided to drive it as far as I could, keeping track of the oil temp and the oil levels. It limped into a, ga- into a, uh, <clears throat> a repair shop I called on the way by my sister's house. I hadn't slept properly. Uh, I've slept about three hours and four days. Drove nonstop across the country. And I uh, got on an airplane. My sister drove me there and I, I went into the showers. Well, not showers. I went into the bathroom and washed off with the powdered soap because, again, I hadn't even showered. I stunk. And then I flew to Seattle my family was so happy to see me and my little girl was happy to see me. And she showed me a map on the wall of all the places we'd been together in Seattle. And she said, um, tomorrow I want to go to all these places with you. It was the first time I'd slept in my own bed in a long, long time. And I couldn't sleep. Because of what I'd been involved with. And so I got up and tried to pray. Having been involved in politics at that level, I couldn't pray for a couple of years. I didn't feel worthy of it. I pray now constantly and ceasingly throughout the day. We're never, ever beyond prayer. You never, ever follow in my footsteps in that. Let us all pray for this country. Let us all pray for an awakening. For enough Republicans, maybe even some Democrats, to realize an untrusted election system is the end of a country, and it ends badly. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and yes, yes, let us let us pray for a revival. Why are so few singers protesting Hamas? Five for Fighting's John Andrasik has an answer. Talk to some managers and folks, and, and I have, and you know, there's certain iconic artists that in other times would be writing these songs. I'm like, where are they? And they'd say, well, you know, they're scared. They're scared for their families. They're scared that their concerts will be protested. But those are the same arguments people used in 1938. Hear more on the Hollywood in Toto podcast, The Right Take on Entertainment. Find it on iTunes or your favorite audio platform.